my love for songs. It's my love for songwriters. It is, uh, I mean, there is nothing that can change my attitude or my outlook or my day quicker than hearing a great song and just knowing like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what to do with this and exactly where to take it to put it in the right hands. Hi everyone, thanks for stopping by the Nashville AIMP Pubcast. On today's Pubcast, we have Rusty Gaston, co-owner and general manager of This Music. He formed the Nashville-based music publishing company in 2006 with partners Tim Nichols and Connie Harrington as a joint venture with Warner Chapel Music. Rusty oversees all aspects of company operations and over the years he's earned his nickname, The Preacher on the Road. up in a little town called Van, Texas of a thousand and eight people. So I knew nothing about the music business or knew that there was a music business. I just knew that was what I was supposed to be doing. And the only way I knew how to chase it down was to, to be around it. So in school, I was in choir and I was in um, drama, things like that. Uh, my parents divorced when I was 13. And now I look back on it and I realize what was happening, but my father bought me a electric guitar and an amplifier. And I think it was probably just to like make my mom mad because I was living with my mom. So he wanted me to have like a big loud amp to crank up. And so, uh, you know, I took guitar lessons and learned to play guitar, but I was, you know, miles away from being good at it. But I was just, you know, like I said, doing everything I could to chase it down. There was just no doubt. I had a couple of real like defining moments in life that totally led me here. But also as a kid growing up in East Texas, you know, I wasn't the biggest guy and I wasn't a football player, but I just like loved music and I love spending countless hours at the record store just like flipping through records, reading everything in the liner notes, reading everything on the back. I remember just for hours laying on the bedroom floor with my feet kicked up on the wall, just listening to cassettes and CDs and records over and over and over again and just like studying them. And I'm telling you, it was just in my blood. And nobody in my family has ever been in music. Nobody, I've never met anybody in the music business until this was just appointed upon me. I went to school, I went, did the majority of my college in Fort Worth at a place called Texas Wesleyan University. And I had a job in the entertainment field while full-time while I was going to college. And I had seen on the on TNN, the Nashville Network, they were interviewing a country artist named Trisha Yearwood. And she was saying that she interned for a record label. So I literally asked somebody that I worked for, like, hey, what do I, uh, how do, what is an intern? They said, oh, you work for free to get experience. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll do that in a second. Like, where do, where do I sign up for that? I'd never heard of this. So at the time, I just cold called a company in Dallas that I had a connection with um, about interning for their company. 
And this company is still in existence today. They do live production shows. They make records. Um, there's a the guy that owns it. His name is Mark Brimer, and he's one of the top um, print arrangers, just music arrangers in the nation for Hal Leonard Music Publishing. So if you've ever been in in choir, or church choir, show choir, without a doubt, 100%, you have sang this guy's arrangements. And he had a company, and I started interning for him and started learning about the music business there. Is that where you were first made aware of what publishing was as an industry? Yes. I um, I started learning about print publishing first, and I started learning the ins and outs of copyright. And that's really where I started learning about publishing. And that company in Dallas... Um, they were developing a few artists and had gotten one of them picked up or at Sony ATV Tree here in Nashville Publishing Company. And through through that connection, I made a relationship with a music publisher named Jerry Smith, who was just an absolute godsend to me and was a, a still is an incredible publisher. He's the very best uh, discoverer of talent. And uh, he was leaving Sony Tree and starting a new company with Warner Chapel, and he was looking for somebody to help him, and I was looking for an excuse to move to Nashville. And he and I met one time and just kind of hit it off, and um, I used that opportunity to move to Nashville and started uh, working for this guy the day I moved here. And then, so let's fast forward now to like, so you're here, you're a successful publisher. What's the thing that keeps you filled? Like, what's the thing that keeps feeding you, making you love to wake up every morning, come to work? Man, for me, it's my love for songs. It's my love for songwriters. It is, uh, I mean, there is nothing that can change my attitude or my outlook or my day quicker than hearing a great song and just knowing like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what to do with this and exactly where to take it to put it in the right hands, to place it in the right position. And, you know, being a publisher to me, it's a it's a service industry. It is about the service that we provide as publishers to our songwriters and our team around us. You know, publishers, uh, I like to say, like, we're not in show business. We are behind the scenes. But we are the gasoline, the engine, every single thing that makes it turn all starts with songwriters, and we are that conduit to the songwriters. What is it about a a songwriter specifically that makes them stand out to you, that really piques your interest? Uh, That's a good question. Um, I have a philosophy that I preach to everybody in our office, and it is that great ideas equal great songs, and good ideas equal good songs. And I can't do anything with good songs. So with that being said, I think something that really, you know, peeks out to me with the songwriter, it's about their ability to approach an idea in a unique and honest way, but also it's about their ability to connect with their emotion and put it into these songs because that's what we're trying to all of these songs are just emotions set to melody and that's what we're trying to get across it's that feeling that you know 
whatever your favorite song is, man, it's 10 million other people's favorite song because of what it makes them feel. And what attracts me to songwriters are the ones that are really capable of capturing that emotion in a song and getting it out there to the world, putting it down in a way that everyone else feels it the same way they intend it. And you've worked with a lot of great songwriters and been a part of a lot of great songs. And one thing that you are particularly known for is your ability to have enthusiasm around a song and get it to the right people to get them cut. Is there something when a, when, when a great song does come across your desk and you're hearing it and you know it's magic, is there a, is, how do you approach the, what the next step is? How do you lay out a a pitch plan or a battle plan or a whatever plan you do, a rusty plan to get it to the right ears. First off, thanks for saying that. But I think the real magic in that is like I am insanely passionate about the genre of music that I work in. And we work in multiple genres, but mainly we work in commercial country music. And I grew up on that. I'm really passionate about it. I, I, uh, I have listened to it for decades and decades and decades. And so for me, I think the secret in pitching songs is it is about understanding and knowing that artist catalog and knowing where they have been, where they are currently, and having an understanding of what the public wants to buy from them or wants to get from that artist. So part of it is you have to know where they came from, but you have to also have what I believe is a realistic view of the public's perception of that artist and realize that no artist wants to just do the same thing over and over again. You know, in pitching songs, you know, it is not my job to go out there and go into a meeting and play somebody a song and if they don't like it say oh you don't like that one well here's another one oh you don't like that one here's another one that is not what the job is my job is to get a sense and develop an understanding of exactly what that artist or that label or that producer is needing and go find that for them and bring them that one song and when you do that uh, you will make incredibly great relationships. Uh, the artist will want to see you again. That producer will want to see you again because everyone understands you're not wasting their time. And that's what I really think the secret of it is. I think a lot of times um, maybe a young publisher, maybe they haven't spent enough time really digging into not just their catalog, but to the genre as a whole of who and what the artists are and where they have been and you know what they came from and what they are capable of doing and having that understanding and being able to cast the right song at the right place. If we were going to talk into the actual mechanics of how you do it, so a great song hits your, com- hits your computer, you know, you've heard it, What's the best way to even create the space where a person who could record it, a producer, an artist, would hear it? Do you is is it almost in an? Ev- you tell me. Like how how is it different for different people? Or yeah, I think it's different. But I think where we are today, it's the business is always evolving. But where we are right now, I believe it's an issue of it's a singles business because meaning that 
we're going to generate the biggest income if we have hits on the radio. So my first priority is figuring out what artist is recording soonest. And of those artists, where do we have the greatest likelihood of having a single? And so uh, used to, when I started in the music business or in publishing, used to used to pitch songs by top-down method. Like you would start with the biggest artist, and then you would go to the second biggest artist, and then the third biggest, and you almost never wanted to work your way down to like the new undiscovered artist. Well, today, I truly believe that anyone affiliated with a fully staffed promotion team uh, has an equal shot of having a hit on the radio. You know, if, if the artist is associated with a legitimate radio promotion staff, then to me, they, they're almost all on the same level. And so therefore, it's really about who is recording the quickest, and that's where it needs to go. And that is something that I think for songwriters that have been in town quite a while, that's maybe a different philosophy than they're used to. But I have seen it work uh, at our company and other companies. Um, but it's really about, hey, if there's an artist on a major label and they're recording later this week, but maybe a bigger superstar is recording a month from now, I'm going to go to that new artist that we could possibly have a single on quicker. I'm going to go to him and he's going to be a bigger priority because our chances of having a single are higher. Yeah, like your best worst scenario is a superstar has a song on hold and says, hey man, it didn't fit this project, but can I hold it for my next one? Mm, the worst. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But there are stories where that has happened. Yeah. But more so than not, that it just doesn't pan out that way. Yeah. Just recently, I saw you on the CMT red carpet um, working with your songwriter, artist, Drew Baldridge. Yes. How did, how did that come about? What was the thing that made you say, hey, I'm a publisher, I'm a successful publisher, but Dude is an artist. Like, What, what made you make that investment of your time and resources into that? Um, throughout my career, I have been lucky enough to develop and work with several artists that we have you know, initially signed to publishing deals, recorded artist sides on them, uh, developed them and shopped them a record deal, and uh, you know they went on and had various levels of success. And multiple of them had approached me before about, hey, like you're the guy I trust, you're the guy that's helping me create my music. You know, would you uh, be interested in in helping manage me? And I've done it once before, but uh, to that point in the past, I just didn't have the time that. Uh, is needed to really devote to that. When it came to Drew, um, I really just, he is a great young man. He's making great music, and he we just had a goal and a vision to approach things differently. To, uh, you know, it was our goal to start building a touring business, and our goal was to never go into anybody's office and play music. It was about getting out building hardcore fans, starting to sell hard tickets, and letting it grow from there. And it's grown into him making uh, relationships where people are working his songs to radio, and he has a uh, team around him. But, 
still every day it's about putting one brick in front of the other to uh, put all the pieces together. And he's he's slowly but surely getting them all there. I just really believe he could be Tim McGraw. So a lot of our listeners are new to music publishing. And, you know, I think when what comes up a lot in these pubcasts is that it's really a relationship business and it's tough for people to have access to people who kind of operate on your level or have your experience. And you had said earlier that there was a great publishing mentor for you. When, when a new publisher has somebody that they're passionate about and they think there's a fit with maybe even one of your writers, what are the ways those relationships have been most successfully brought to your attention and that opportunity where you're excited about putting things together and see see what comes of it? Um, that's a good question. You know, so you're asking about how new, maybe unproven songwriters maybe get hooked up with people at our company or other bigger, more proven songwriters. Um, I would say, for the most part, almost 100% of the time, of the songwriters I have signed throughout my career... I have found 100% of them through other songwriters, whether it's songwriters I'm currently working with or other songwriters I have relationships with. And it's that old philosophy of like, like attracts like. Um, So great songwriters are going to recognize other great songwriters, even if you know, they're not on the same success level at that, at that exact time. So if there is a young publisher coming into town and trying to open some doors for their writers, they have to be asking themselves, first off, you know, their job is to make relationships. And I always take the approach of how is what I'm doing helping someone else? Because when I'm bringing someone a song, they desperately need what I have. I am helping them. That that record producer, um, although very, very talented, lots of times he's a hired hand, hired by that artist or by that label to make that record. And he is challenged with bringing in the best record that he can. Well, he needs the best songs possible to make that happen. So he needs the goods that we have. Uh, a record label, they need the goods that we have to look good to their artist. Hey, look at these hits that we found you from these publishers. And so I would say to that young publisher, it's like, what are you bringing to the table uh, that is going to help out your fellow publisher? How are you going to help? How is your young songwriter going to help You know, a uh, more experienced songwriter? And part of it is just making those relationships, being persistent, and, um, you know, the other thing is it's about, I think the magic in co-writing is I look at songwriters as like jigsaw pieces. And it's that one songwriter, his strengths are on one side and the, they need to fit into the slots of the other songwriter's weaknesses so that they fit together like puzzle pieces. Just because one songwriter wrote a hit for artist A and a second songwriter wrote a hit for the same artist, that does not mean they need to collaborate because how they operate as a songwriter, it may be that they're the same. I would say for that young publisher, the best thing to do is really figure out what are the strengths of your writer? Is it really 
the are they a great lyricist? Are they really wonderful at melody? Are they fantastic at ideas? And if you have, you know, whatever the strength of their writer is, find other writers that don't do that and start by trying to pair them up. You know, if you have a lyricist, go out and try to track down great melody writers and get the two of them together. Don't try to get them together with another lyricist. And then that brings up like difficult conversations. You've been in the industry long enough. What do you do when like a songwriter seems to have just taken a misstep like either in the direction their approach their instincts get a little off like what how do you how do you manage or coach a songwriter back into you know being the most successful that they can be that's a good question too i wish there was some magic uh button to push but i think the way just naturally that i've always approached music publishing is it's my job to manage the career of these songwriters the exact same way that an artist manager manages the career of an artist. And what I mean by that is it's our job to create opportunities for these songwriters. It's our job to create a brand for these songwriters. I really feel like for a songwriter to compete, they need to bring 100% of themselves into the room to write that day. And if they have distractions in life, meaning that... Um, you know, they've got problems at home. If they can't manage their calendar, if they've got trouble with their cars, their computers broke down, those are all things that our office can help them manage about their life. I believe it's part of our job is to take, take as much stuff off of them so that they can focus 100% of their attention and ability on writing songs. So, when you ask, like, if one of them has gotten off track, what I'm hoping is um, we're having a good enough day-to-day, how are you doing, conversations that whoever at our company is daily in tune with that writer, that they're picking up on, hey, it feels like this songwriter's getting burned out. We should give them some days off. Or, hey, this is going on in their life. We should, you know, help. We should move around a few co-writes. Or we should help pump them up with more things to be excited about that's going to inflate their their uh, excitement level to want to create more. You know, so hopefully I'm just thinking that we should be in tune enough with what their daily needs are. And then along the same lines of, you know, so difficult conversations, what's the thing you dislike the most, like that you're coming in, or your most challenging area? I'm not excited because I have to do blank today. Man, I really love every single bit of it. Uh, If there's anything that I don't like, it's things that are uh, outside of dealing with songwriters and, uh, and pitching songs. Um, I guess it's just the overall management of the uh, the company all all together. Yeah. Human but, resources, yeah, you love the that human stuff. resources, legal. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! But I love it all. I mean, it's great. It's like I said, it's truly a calling of where I'm supposed to be. So I do not go to work. You know, I truly, truly live for Mondays because everyone gets to go back and gets to get back at it. You know. Um, now that I'm married, 
uh, of course, I want to spend tons of time with my wife and, and child and soon-to-be second child. However, all that time before that, you know, I really loved just 24-7 investing every second into, you know, these songs and these songwriters, and, and I, I love it. None of it is daunting or none of it sucks. So what do you think about streaming? So where, how are you, where's your gut feeling on where that's heading? Man, I think it's fantastic. I am super bullish on uh, the music business, but in particular, uh, IP ownership, copyright ownership, master rights ownership. Um, I really believe that with the, uh, you know, it's a wild west out there. It's a changing world. But I think now we're starting to see generations of people that not only grew up not holding a CD in their hand, you know, to them holding like a tangible piece of music in their hand, it was never a thing for them. They grew up with cable TV, meaning when you stop paying the cable bill, the cable goes away. But when you pay the cable bill, you get all the TV you want anytime you want it. And um, I think music is getting there where it will be the same way. It will be lumped into your bundle plan of either internet or telephone and you know i believe it will get to every single person with a telephone who's paying a bill will pay an extra 7.99 a month 5.99 a month for all the music they can consume and it's just like when you stop paying your phone bill your phone stops working and that means there's no text that means there's no surfing the internet and that's going to mean there's no music and to, that may seem odd for some of us that began consuming music differently, but for the generation that's growing up now, that is not odd to them. And it definitely won't be odd to them by the time we get there. This Nashville AMP podcast was brought to you by our friends at Anderson Benson Insurance. Experienced locally owned brokers who take a creative approach to simplifying insurance and risk management. These guys are relationship people and they have the experience to understand all the aspects of our ever-changing industry. They prepare all their clients, including me, for their next level of success. I have all my insurance accounts with them, and Anderson Benson is an important part of my team. I have cell phone numbers if I have questions, and they're always available to help. Look them up at andersonbenson.com.